Hey guys, Pastor Marcus Kelly over here at the exciting Grace Baptist Church. I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight for our Bible study. Uh, if you don't follow Grace Baptist, go to Grace Baptist uh, Pinson on Facebook. Hit that uh, follow button and make sure that you've liked our page. And also slap that share button, share this stream uh, so that all of our church family and friends can join us for our Bible study. Don't forget to hit like, comment below, and let us know, man, how we can be praying for you and what God is doing in your life. But tonight, man, uh, I've got some Bible verses I've been thinking about for the last week, and we're going to check them out together. So let's get started. This one time, there was a, an American tourist that was going uh, to the island of Malta. When he got to Malta, uh, he was driving around and he got really confused. And as he was driving around Malta, man, he noticed that people didn't seem to obey any traffic laws. They're going to the right, to the left. I mean, it just seemed like everybody was going wherever they wanted to go. And then when he talked to uh, a police officer, this American tourist talked to this police officer and said, hey, are there not any traffic laws in this country? And the, the police officer said to the tourist, he said, you know, in some countries, people drive on the right side of the road. Some countries, people drive on the left side of the road. Uh, but here in Malta, the temperature stays so hot, we just drive in the shade. And you know, man, that's the way a lot of people are in their walk with Jesus and their Christian life. They want to always stay in the shade. They don't ever want to get to where there's some heat, where it's hot, and maybe where things can be a little difficult. Now, the Apostle Paul, he was 180 degrees different than that. The Apostle Paul had this whatever-it-takes attitude. He had a zeal, a fire, a passion to reach people for Jesus Christ. You can actually read about this, this zeal, this passion that the Apostle Paul had for people in the book of 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to start reading in uh, chapter 9, verse number 19. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 19 says, For though I am free from all men, Paul says, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win, uh, win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without God, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you. And so what Paul was saying is, I will go anywhere, I will do anything, I will pay any price, I will pay whatever the cost is, it doesn't matter. I will do anything it takes to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ, as long as I'm not compromising biblical principles and convictions. And actually, you know, six times in this passage, uh, the Apostle Paul talks about winning others. In verse 19, he says that I might win the more. In verse 20, in the first part, he says that I might win the Jews. In verse, the last part of verse 20, he says that I might win those who are under the law. In verse 21, uh, he says, um, I mean, verse 22, he says that I might win the weak. And in the last part of verse 22, he said that by all means, save some. Now, I don't want you to get the impression that Paul was a people pleaser, that what he's saying here is we got to just please everybody so that they might get saved, right? Uh, the apostle Paul was anything but a people 
pleaser. Matter of fact, uh, the apostle Paul said this uh, in Galatians chapter one, verse 10. He said, for do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if I still pleased men, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. See, Paul would have never said, man, uh, to, uh, to win a thief, I must become a thief, right? He would have never said to win an adulterer for Jesus, I have to become an adulterer. Or to win a drunk, I have to become a drunk. That's not what Paul meant at all. For the apostle Paul, the message was non-negotiable. As a matter of fact, he says earlier in this chapter, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 16, he says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So the message is non-negotiable, but the method has to be flexible. Now, I believe that every church ought to have a whatever it takes attitude, but you got to be careful because if you say it, you better make sure that you mean it. Just remember, whenever you whenever you say, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, it always costs something. There's always a price to be paid uh, to do what God is calling us to do in reaching the lost. It always charges a price and it always comes with a cost. Now, the Apostle Paul knew that and he understand that, understood that probably better than anybody. Paul knew that if he was going to achieve his desire, his passion, what God has laid on his heart, that it was going to cost him something. And because the fact is, that's what it often takes. It always costs something to reach those far from God. And Paul was willing to pay the price. And what we're going to see in this passage is that Paul was willing to give up some things. You know, one of the things that the apostle Paul was willing to give up was his preferences. It was his preferences. Uh, Paul uh, said this again in 1 Corinthians, and I'm going to look at uh, chapter 9, but look what he said in verse number 20. He said, And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Paul was a Jew, right? But he was a new Jew. He was a born-again Jew. He was a Jew that had been set free. He was no longer under the law. He was under love, man. Paul had met the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ, and he had changed his life and it set him free from the Old Testament regulations and the ceremonial religious obligations uh, of what it meant for those people at that time to be Jewish. The apostle Paul no longer had a, a legalistic relationship with God. He had a love and a heart relationship with God. But the Jewish people, man, they were people of legalism. They were people of the law and they needed to be introduced to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul was under liberty, right? And so he wasn't under their legal restrictions and all of that. Yet Paul willingly subjected himself to their laws and their customs, the ceremonial rituals of being a, a Jew so that he could reach the Jews with the good news of Jesus Christ. He did this willingly. He was giving up his preferences. In other words, he adopted uh, their customs, which was easy since at one time he was a, a Jew of the Jews, right? And so, which means he followed their ceremonial requirements, right? If they didn't eat pork, he didn't eat pork. If they observed the Sabbath, he observed the Sabbath. If they did this or that, he did that as well. 
Now, why did the Apostle Paul do that? It wasn't to appease them, like he wasn't caving in or anything like that. It wasn't because he thought that doing these things made him right with God. Those very verses teaches us exactly the opposite thing. He did this so he could share the gospel with them. There is a difference between uh, uh, conviction, right? Compromising a conviction and minimizing a preference. Often we get our preferences and our convictions confused. Our convictions should be based on the word of God. And our preferences are often other things that we elevate to the standard of the word of God, but they just don't meet that standard. Paul was determined that he was not gonna jeopardize his ability uh, to share the gospel by being unnecessarily offensive. Now, if the message offended people, so be it, right? Let it go. But he wasn't going to be offensive when he didn't have to be. Uh, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 23. He says, But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. See, Paul understood the message might be offensive, but the man, the person, the messenger doesn't have to be offensive. And honestly, sometimes that's where we come up short a lot of times. So if we're going to reach people who are different than us, sometimes we're just going to have to minimize our preferences, stand strong in our convictions, and be willing to adapt like the Apostle Paul. See, there was a second thing that Paul was willing to give up, right? Not just his preferences, but he was also willing to give up, man, some of his privileges. Look with me again at, at, at the Bible. I mean, we see clearly that Paul is willing to give up his privileges. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 21, it says, to those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. Now, Paul's saying, I'm becoming like one without law. He's meaning ritually, right? The, the, the Old Testament, the rituals, and all of those things uh, that he's talking about that the Jews were, were still doing. But please understand what the Apostle Paul is not saying. Paul isn't saying that once you're saved, you can live any way you want to, right? When you get saved, forget about the law, forget about everything, and just live any way that you want to. Sin if you want to, man. You once saved, always saved. That's not what Paul is saying. Now, it's not what he's saying at all. See, the Apostle Paul, he wasn't espousing the philosophy of when in Rome, do what the Romans do, right? He wasn't saying, hey, if you're going to win sinners, you got to go sin with them. He wasn't saying that at all, man. He was talking about the Old Testament ceremonial law. That's what he was referring to. And so when he was with the Jews, he observed those. But when he was with the Gentiles, right, the non-Jews, he dropped all of that. He didn't worry about going to the temple on the Sabbath or eating clean or doing any of these things that were Jewish Old Testament requirements. When he was with the Gentiles, as long as it didn't compromise any biblical uh, truth or anything about Christ, right, he was willing to adapt to be with Gentiles and to live as a Gentile. When Paul was in Jerusalem, he followed Jewish customs. But it was when the Gentiles, he followed Gentile customs. It's what he did. It's what you would do if you were going to go live in another country and they had certain customs and things that they did. You would kind of, you would uh, join in and become a part of that and not continue to say, no, I'm an American and I do it this way and this way only. No, you would adapt some of that culture into your life. Again, as long as it didn't violate any of uh, biblical principles and convictions. Let me put it to you the best way that I know how, right? When he was with the, the Gentiles, he had barbecue pork. <laughs> and when he was with the Jews, he had barbecue beef. 
Now, Paul didn't do this trying to be deceptive with the message. He did this so that he would have the opportunity to be absolutely direct with the message. You know, in fact, the Apostle Paul says this, talking about being weak. He says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse, 20, uh, verse 22. He says, to the weak, I became as weak that I might win the weak. Now, when the Apostle Paul is referring to the weak, who were the weak? This referred to immature believers who really didn't understand the liberty that they had in Christ Jesus. For example, in the Jewish community, some new Christians would still want to observe Sabbaths and attend the synagogue and uh, follow the dietary laws, maintain all of the feasts, right? And observe all of the ceremonies from the Old Testament. And Paul said, hey, when I'm around the weak, I'll be as the weak. And among the Gentiles, on the other hand, there are those who have been saved out of idolatry and, and maybe eating meat that had been offered to idols uh, would have been a stumbling block to them. Now, Paul knew there was only one God and he knew that meat sacrificed to an idol tastes just as good as any other meat, right? He didn't have any fears, no superstitions. He wasn't worried about that. But when he was with the Gentiles, he wouldn't eat the meat that maybe they would find offensive. He understood that sometimes liberty is limited by love, that liberty is limited by love. If you're going to win people to Jesus Christ, you can't always do what you want to do. You can't always demand to have all your rights. Sometimes you're going to have to love people enough, man, to take the back seat. On one hand, we're never to do anything that's going to compromise our biblical convictions and values and principles and morals. But on the other hand, we're to do everything we can do to reach people far from God, because that's what God calls us to do. And so if you're to win others, you're going to have to have an others first kind of heart and attitude and give up some personal privileges. Now, Paul also was willing, number three, he was willing to give up his rights, to give up his rights. Look at 1 Corinthians 9 and verse number 19. It says, but though I am free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Hey, let me just say it again. Paul was not willing to sacrifice the message, uh, but he was willing to sacrifice the messenger to win people for Jesus. He was not willing to sacrifice the message, but he was more than willing to sacrifice the messenger to win people to Jesus. He was determined to break down barriers and build bridges to a world lost in sin and need of a savior. Now, here's a principle I really want you to grasp. I've got it here in my notes. The fact that Christians are free from the law, we're free from the law, but we are slaves to the lost. Christians are free from the law, but they are slaves to the lost. And right here in that verse where he says, made a servant, uh, it's the, the Greek verb that literally means to enslave, right? Paul, in effect, <coughs> excuse me, Paul, in effect, said, I put myself in bondage so that every person I meet can be set free in Christ Jesus. He says, I willingly put myself in bondage so that I can win as many people as possible for Christ. And what he's saying, if you can believe it, is that he had voluntarily relinquished his rights, his liberty, his freedom to be a slave to others who do not know Jesus. And when I think of this passage and I think of the, the sphere of this kind of whatever it takes kind of attitude and heart and spirit, I, I, the number one name that comes to my mind is this great man of God that you've heard of called David Livingston. David Livingston, and I've shared with him 
uh, about him with you guys before. Now, he was absolutely brilliant. When he was 20, he went to school. He studied Greek and theology. He went to Glasgow University, graduated with a degree in medicine. Brilliant. The world was his oyster, man. This guy was going to have options. He could have done anything that he wanted to. And so he decided to do the best thing, which is to go onto the mission field. And of all places, God sent him to Africa. Now, what's amazing about this is in David Livingston's time, uh, no white man had ever even entered into the interior of Africa. Nobody. Now, on the coast, there were some missionaries that had visited the coast, but nobody had ever been to the interior. And when David Livingston heard that nobody had taken the gospel to the interior of Africa, he said this. He said, he thought to himself, no missionary, no gospel, no Christ, no salvation, no life, no light, nothing but sin and death and darkness. And he said, God, I will go to Africa. And so he suffered a great deal. And when he went, as you can imagine, in that time and that era, he suffered greatly, right? As a matter of fact, one time as he was traveling, a huge lion jumped out and, and uh, grabbed him by the shoulder and bit down on his shoulder and absolutely crushed his shoulder. He was never never able to use that arm again, but it didn't stop him. As a matter of fact, when they took him out of the interior back to the coast to try to nurse him back to health, he met a young lady there named Mary. They fell in love and got married and they had five children. And one of the times while crossing the vast plains of Africa, uh, one of the children died. And so uh, Dr. Uh, David Livingston and Mary decided, listen, you know, this is probably the interior of Africa. It's probably not the best place to raise a family. So he sent his wife and his children back to Scotland. And which means he hardly ever got to see them only every so many years, but he was separated from his family for so long. As a matter of fact, one time he left Africa to go visit his family in Scotland. And when he arrived, that's when he discovered that his father had died and absolutely broke his heart. But again, imagine years and years, not seeing his wife, not seeing his children, but trying to win souls in Africa. And finally, he received a letter that just absolutely made his heart just pound in his chest. His wife, Mary, was coming to be with him. The children were older now. It was gonna be okay for her to leave them and to come and spend some time with him in Africa. And she was excited about reaching the Africans for Jesus Christ. That's what she wanted to do. And so for months, she traveled across oceans and upstreams and across rivers until finally they were together again. But the trip was so difficult that she was struck down with the African fever the African fever. And so David uh, Livingston, he devoted all of his strength, his intellect, everything he had to try to save his wife, but he couldn't. And so his wife died. She made the journey literally just to die in David's arms. And he buried his wife under this huge uh, African tree. And when he finished placing the marker there, he broke down sobbing and crying with a broken heart like you could imagine you would have. But that very day, he wrote this in his journal. He said, my Jesus, my King, my life, my all, I again dedicate my whole self to thee. I shall place no value on anything I possess or anything I may do except in relation to the kingdom of Christ. And so he continued in the jungle. Matter of fact, he continued on till he came to a place called Ujiji. And in Ujiji, uh, some natives stole his food, his goats. But worst of all, they stole his medicine. 
his medicines. And these are the medicines that he had been using uh, to keep himself from getting sick as a, uh, a man from Scotland that was in the interior of Africa, right? He was using these medicines to keep him from getting sick with the different fevers and all of those things. So for Livingston, losing the medicine was virtually a death sentence. And he basically cried out. He said, God, he's, I know that I'll die without this medicine. And at this point, Livingston hadn't even seen another white man for five years. But now in the middle of Africa, down on his knees, he's crying out to God, asking God to, to help him. He lifts up his eyes and he sees the face of a white man walking down the trail toward him. And the man was carrying a United States flag. And he approached Livingston and he's uttered those unforgettable words where he said, Dr. Livingston, I presume. Right? This was uh, Henry M. Stanley. He was a reporter who worked for the New York Herald. And he was there to do a story about this famous missionary who was going into the deepest, darkest parts of Africa. And so the reporter himself, though, by the way, was an atheist. He didn't believe in God. Matter of fact, he kind of, he bragged about being an atheist. He was a proud atheist. But as he began to live with Dr. Livingston for uh, four months, his heart was warmed by the compassion. He saw how David Livingston's faith was real, man, and how much he cared and loved people he'd never even met before. And that impacted him. And this reporter gave his life to Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. When it came time for him to leave, he begged Livingston to leave with him, but Livingston refused. And so he plunged even deeper into Africa and literally starving for months, nothing to eat but, but uh, maize. Eventually all of his teeth fell out. He had boils and lacerations all over his feet. He could no longer even walk. In his last days, he was carried by a stretcher to village to village by some friends and they would carry him to a village and then they would prop him up so he could share the gospel with anybody and everybody who would listen. And finally, the time came for Livingston to die and he died alone, man. They thought that he was asleep on his cot, but evidently he realized that he was dying and, and with some Herculean effort, he had somehow managed to crawl from his bed and get into a kneeling position. And when they went to check on him, thinking that he was sleeping on the cot, they found him there alone, dead, kneeling before his God. Already dead. Now think about this. 25 years, only 25 years after David Livingston uh, went to Africa, there were no, where there were no Christians, there were number 10 million believers in Africa. And today, right now, there are over 599 million Christians in Africa. There are more Christians in Africa today than there are in the United States, Europe, or Asia, or Latin, Central, South America. 599 Christians in Africa. Why? Because one man said, whatever it takes, I'll do anything, I'll go anywhere, I'll pay any price, I'll pay any cost, so that I might win some to Jesus. And I pray that that'll be the heart and passion of all of us who call on the name of Christ, and especially the heart and passion of Grace Baptist Church. Now, has God called all of us to go to Africa to be missionaries? No, he's probably called some of you, and I pray that you'll answer him, that you'll pay the cost, that you'll surrender to our good God and his calling on your life. But I, here's what I do know. God has called you to live out the gospel right here where you're at, 
right now. To be willing to give up your rights and your privileges and, and maybe even realize that your preferences aren't exactly biblical convictions and be willing to do what is necessary to reach those far from God so that we might reach West Tennessee, America, and the world with the good news of Jesus Christ. Whatever price is to be paid, it is worth it. And when we get to heaven and we'll sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. Listen, guys, thank you so much for being with us tonight. I want to remind you, three services Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 o'clock. And again, if you're uh, um, if you are vulnerable or anything like that, I want to encourage you to come to that early 8 a.m. service. But we're so excited to be gathering together again in our sanctuary right there at Grace. I want to encourage you to invite your friends and neighbors uh, to join us and so they can come under the sound of the gospel and they can worship the King of Kings. Listen, guys, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer, but thank you so much for being with us. Will you pray with me? Father God, thank you for the blessing of your word and this reminder that you are worthy of whatever price, whatever cost, whatever sacrifice we make. God, that you are worthy. Lord, give us the holy unction that we need to win some for Jesus. We love you. It's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. I look forward to seeing you Sunday. God bless you.